0: What's up fam? Welcome to Love Alive Church, the podcast, where we exist to help you find family, discover purpose, and change the world. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. I hope that is a blessing to you and your family. Let's go. Again, I'm so glad I consider y'all family and I'm so honored to be here today. I'm going to read from two passages of scripture. I'm going to read Genesis 18 verses 9 through 15 and Genesis 21 verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read these to give you backdrop, but I'm actually going to preach from chapter 12 all the way up, okay? And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to try to uh, systematically uh, digest and dive into this text over the course of the next 35, 40 minutes and have you all out of here in a decent amount of time. But um, as I was preparing, uh, the Lord just began to speak to me what I would consider to be very prophetic from these Passages of scripture. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, so mine may read a little bit different from yours. Uh, Genesis 18, verse 9, it says this Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. And he said, I will surely return at this time next year. Everybody shout, This time next year. (laughs) And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years. She was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself when she heard the Lord's words saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure and delight, my Lord, being also old? And the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh to herself? saying, shall I really give birth to a child when I'm so old? Is anything too difficult or too wonderful for the Lord? At the appointed time, everybody shout the appointed time. Now that should have made something in everybody just begin to jump and leap because for every part of your destiny, there is a divine appointment. Can I just go ahead and release that into the room now? That you have not missed what God promised you, you have not God has not forgot what he promised you. And just bump your neighbor real quick and tell him you didn't miss it either. There is an appointed time. I'm trying not to get stirred too early, but there is an appointed time. At the appointed time, when the season for her delivery comes, I will return to you and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh because she was afraid. And he, the Lord, said, no, I heard you. You did laugh. Go to Genesis 21, verse 1. And it says, the Lord graciously remembered and visited Sarah as he had said. Just tell your neighbor he going to do just what he said. He he came to Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for her as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age at the appointed time for which God had spoken to him. Abraham named his son Isaac, which means laughter, the son to whom Sarah gave birth. So Abraham circumcised Isaac when he was eight days old, just as God had commanded him. Abraham was a 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has made me laugh all who hear about our good news will laugh with me and she said who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children for I have given birth to a son by him in his old age this morning for the next 35 minutes I want to talk to you prophetically from from this text God's about to make you laugh I, I don't And I want to be sure this doesn't get cliche-ish. I don't want this to be something that we just run with as if it's a a modern-day cliche or something that we can catch real quick and say, ha, 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 God's going to make me laugh. But I want you, real quick, close your eyes. This is a prophetic gesture you're about to do. Uh, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you, for the next 30 seconds, to think about the dream that you buried. I want you to think about the thing that you thought would be impossible with your socioeconomic background, with your education level, with the uh, opportunities that have not been afforded to you, with everything you missed and for all your mistakes, I want you to think about the thing you buried. Men, I'm going to ask you to think harder because we buried far deeper than women ever do. I want you to grab the thing that you thought, At 18, you would become that now seems unattainable. I want you to think about the dream that you thought you would become or what you prayed about or what God showed you many years ago that life made you suppress. Y'all got it? Everybody got something? Now, I want you, with your eyes open, to throw your head back and laugh as loud as you can. Go. It sounds silly, but it's a prophetic gesture that simply says, I may not have it yet, but I believe the thing I gave up on, the thing I didn't think was going to become a reality, the thing I did not believe, I could still be brought to pass, even if I'm beyond the years that look like it can happen. God is big enough, and he's bad enough, and he's strong enough to still bring that the past and I believe by this time next year God's gonna make me laugh about it what everybody thought I missed what everybody thought would never happen I believe by faith God's gonna do it on my behalf if you believe that give God a shout of praise So so what I'm going to attempt to do in these next 30 minutes is to walk you through the the, the process, everybody shout process. process, the process that comes to pass before God prepares you for the greatest life of your life. I want you to understand that it is not easy when you know you've been marked by God and it's not easy when you know that God has put something on you he may not have put on everybody else. And there will be seasons of being misunderstood and being okay with people not understanding in the middle of a thing what God is doing. So I got to walk you back all the way to Genesis 12 because I want to show you what I would consider to be the, the process for promise. In Genesis 12, God tells Abram after his father dies, I want you to leave from your place of familiarity and I want you to go to a place that you do not know. I want you just to start to walk and the only way you're going to know that you've arrived is I'm going to tell you when you get there. You you ever been on a journey when God told you to take a leap by faith and it didn't make sense to you nor did it make sense to anybody in your squad or in your circle but what you could not deny was that you knew you heard God. You know, you were doing well where you were and everybody thought you were prospering in your place and everybody considered you to be privileged and doing well and then all of a sudden God decided to disrupt everything that looked normal and in the midst of a Disruption. Not ask your permission about what your next step was going to be. But tell you, I know that you're comfortable right now. But for me to get everything out of you I've designed you for, the only way I can do it is by making you uncomfortable in a place you don't want to go. Now maybe it's just me, but there have been seasons that God has called me to places I did not want to be. He's called me to cities and called me to people that I would have rather not had to go. But what I've learned on this journey is this. If you cannot handle uncomfortable seasons, you'll never be able to handle the full weight of what destiny is. If God cannot disrupt your life and make you uncomfortable in one season, you'll never know the magnitude of what you're called to carry. Everybody can do it when folks love you, but can you do it in a place where nobody knows your name, nobody knows? Nobody knows your family, nobody knows your history, and God calls you out. So in in the 12th chapter of Genesis, the thing that God checks for is how well will you obey when it seems like everything looks good, but it's not what I want. (laughs) Because it's very possible to look good on paper not amount to what heaven has actually designed and what many of us have settled for is a surface level look good and as long as everybody else thinks we put together everything must be fine when in the truth of the matter is this God has to disrupt your comfort zone he's got to get you off of the facade of thinking you've got it together so he can carry you where he's actually calling you to go May this be, and I'm trying not to prophesy already, but may this be a season for many of you of divine disruptions where God begins to shake the tables of normalcy, where he begins to extract you from subpar and show you just because you're the king of subpar does not mean you're in the place of excellence. May you never settle for mediocre living another day in your life. May this be the day where God divinely disrupts you from being satisfied, living paycheck to paycheck, and takes you to a land that you know not of because he's calling you beyond what you see. Now, so, so when he calls him out, what, what Abram does is he takes his nephew Lot and says, hey, you're going to go with me, and we're going to go wherever God calls us to be. Uh, And here is the catch with this. Abraham took Lot, not necessarily because he wanted him, but because he was worried about his posterity. He was concerned that if I die, who takes care of what I'm leaving behind? I don't have sons to handle it. And if I die on this journey, I don't want Sarah left alone. So the way that I secure my future is by pulling somebody alongside that at least has my family line. Yeah. Now, this is only going to matter to a few of y'all that know the worst thing you could ever done was to try to drag family with you that didn't want to go. Now. Now, now this, this may not apply to everybody in the room, but I know what it's like to try to drag people with me. And in the midst of dragging them, they became the worst detriment to what God was calling me to be. I need you to understand what God has called you for. Everybody shout, that thing is for me. It's for me and it is dangerous to try to bring accessories along that do not understand the weight and the measure of your assignment. They may make you comfortable because they know where you've been, but some of you, the greatest detriment is bringing people along that do know your history. You may need a clean slate in this season. Uh, Nobody that's gonna remind me of who I used to be, where I used to go. I used to do it where well, they saw me walking. You got to let God clean your slate. Anyway. And it, it, it comes full circle in Genesis 13 and I'm walking. This is just the beginning of the story and I'm going to deal with it differently in second service. Here's the other part of the beginning. Lot and Abram's servants get in a fight over land in Genesis 13. Abram tells Lot look which way you want to go And whatever you want, you can have it. Here is what God did in Abram in one decision. He began to show Abram that because you preferred somebody else over yourself, I know I can trust you. (laughs) Because you don't just want what's best for you, but you understand the power of preference. Meaning, I can give you your choice. And still trust that whatever I've got left, because God is with me, he knows how to multiply. <laughs> I, I, I don't have to have the best of the best in every season. There are moments I can give you preference, and out of preference, God will honor my decision to let you choose first. Lord have mercy. All right. Here's the other part of this. Because Lot and Abram's um, servants were fighting, God began to watch. The way that Abram handled strife. Everybody shout strife. Now, I know it ain't you. (laughs) But how many of you all have had one or two people in your life, in your circle, in your family, in your, your place of occupation? I don't know. That every time you saw them, they knew how to stir up strife. Now, I, now, don't look to your left or to your right. I don't want you to make your name uncomfortable. Uh, but how many of you ever had anybody in your life that, you know, when you saw them, you knew, they knew how to stir the pot astride. You know, how, how to find the messiness when there was no messiness to be found. How to create the argument when there really wasn't enough. Why are we arguing over apples and oranges? Why are we in a discussion over stuff that really don't matter? So, what God has to watch. How you manage before he gives you more is the way you handle controversy. And it is foolish to fight with people that ain't in their right mind. Now listen to me. I, 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 I I need to sober you up real quick. Your power is not in your ability to win every argument. Power is in your ability to know this ain't even worth fighting about, so sugar, you can have it. So some stuff that you've been into it with people about, you are wasting your time, your energy, and your future. It is not even advantageous for me to argue with you about something that really don't mean a hill of beans at the end of the day. Anyway, so, so God has to see how you manage strife. Take a deep breath. Breathe in, breathe out. When was the last time you got in a fight over something stupid? <laughs> when, when was the last time you found yourself arguing over something that really didn't matter? Y'all ready? I, I'm, I'm trying to slow walk this, I got like 20 minutes. Genesis 14, and this is, this is the final phase of what I call the beginning. When Lot chooses the beautiful land, he ends up getting captured by five kings. Abram, in turn, when his ridiculous nephew is caught by five kings, gets all of his servants, goes to fight the five kings, and he wins. When he comes back, he sees the king of Salem by the name of Melchizedek, and the Bible says that he gave a tenth of everything he had to Melchizedek. Now, here's the next thing God's going to test. Before God trusts you to make you laugh, He has to see how well honor works in your system. And honor is not just what I do with those that are above me. Honor is the way I handle those that are next to me. If you can only honor them because they got a title, it's not real honor. But how do you handle people that God sends to you? Do you do you handle them as if they're nobody or do you treat them the same way? God will call you to treat everybody. Everybody shall honor in the house. So, so here's the thing. If God can't trust you to honor, he can't trust you with the future. And honor does not just come out in your words. It comes out in your actions. If what you do is dishonorable, how can God trust you to go anywhere? So he always checks. He checks honor. I'll deal with that in more seconds. He always checks your honor. This is all what I call the beginning of the story. And here's why I label it like this. All of us love God at the beginning of a prophecy. God God tell you, you're going to be blessed and highly favored. you done fell out at so many altars (laughs) over the business that you're supposed to start. You done fell out at the altar over husbands of the wives, you didn't ran circles around the building for children, what have you. You done got an amazing word, You're like, I receive it, I receive it. You love it at the beginning. But what happens when you get in the middle of it and in the middle of it you ain't seen what God said yet? Everybody loves God at the beginning of the word. So what happens when God has you in the pain of process, waiting for the reality of what is said to come to pass? Now, here's a couple of things I'm going to give you about the middle. i got to do this quick. In Genesis 15, this is the second time we see God come back to Abram. Abram is now 75 years old. It's been five years since he left his father's house. Sarah is 65 years old. And when God shows up to Abram, he tells him, I'm going to bless your seed. And your seed, if you can count the stars in the sky, you can count how your seed is going to be numbered. All right. Here's the thing. When God first told him to leave, he just told him to go. And I'm going to bless wherever you go. Five years later, he tells him, now I'm going to bless your seed. God waited five years to download more details concerning the prophecy. Here's what I'm saying. God cannot give you the full revelation when you start. There are pieces that heaven will withhold until you're ready to handle the next level of information. Some of you are waiting to start till God tells you everything, and sugar, all you need to know is that God told you to start it. God don't have to tell you where every dollar going to come from. He don't have to tell you everybody he going to send. He don't have to tell you who going to show up or who not going to show up. If you've got a word from God to go, I need somebody shout, go, go, go. It don't have to make sense. It don't have to be in your understanding. All you have to know is this. God told me to do it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do don't go thing anyway. Now, here, here is where the middle, I can't preach you all of it. But here's where the middle uh, gets interesting. Five years later, he comes back and tells Abram, uh, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless your seed. Eleven years later, Genesis 16, Sarah still don't have a kid. It's been 11 years since God said, I'm going to bless your seed. And Abram is now 86 years old. Sarah is 76. And she still has not produced what it looks like God said was going to happen. You ever been in a season where you've been trying to make it happen and it was failing? I'm not talking about talking about working. I'm talking about actually doing something and every you, time you set your hand to do it, it don't work out how you thought. Can you imagine, man, the pain of a woman trying for 11 years to produce a child and nothing ever comes out? Can you imagine what it felt like month after month, year after year, trying time after time to produce and every time not even having a miscarriage, nothing ever hitting her seed that produces? Can you imagine the frustration she carried silently hoping that this would be the month and that this would be the year, every year to end up disappointed because God did not do it. And then at the height of her disappointment, what she decided to do was this. Because I can't produce, I'm going to present something to Abraham that can't. Because what often happens is this. When God does not do it the way or in the timing that we thought he should, we find a way to produce ourselves what we think he wanted. And it is dangerous to ever get in a space where God has not responded and you try to self-produce. Because everything you create in your will, you have the obligation to uphold by your power. God is not obligated to uphold anything you create because you are trying to do what he said. If God is going to do it, he's going to make it happen the way that he said it. Hagar gets pregnant with Abram's seed the first time he sleeps with her. Can you imagine the frustration of Sarah having all these years that she's tried only for a handmaiden to get pregnant the first time? And then seeing and hearing a child cry that she could not get pregnant with knowing this is the seed of the man she's loved and walked with. Now for the last 25 years in barrenness, all of a sudden somebody else gets pregnant with her promise. She gets so frustrated that she kicks Hagar and Ishmael out the house. I don't want to see them every time I see this child. It's a reminder of what God did not do. It breaks my heart to see God would do it for somebody else with you and not with me. Here's the thing, your private interpretation of what God says has the ability to pervert your promise. And what I don't want you to do is birth stuff out of your interpretation of what he said when God hasn't given you the full clarity to go. I don't want because you got goosebumps that that must be God time when you have not heard clearly what God has said and or designed for you to make happen in this season. Are y'all with me? So, here here is where it gets interesting. I'm almost done. After Ishmael is born, God goes silent for 13 years. God does not say one word to Abram for 13 years. He does not visit Sarah for 13 years. God don't say a word for over a decade. Now, here's what this part is for. This part is for... Those who have had to stew in what you thought was your mistake. The place where you thought God stopped dealing with you and speaking to you because you messed up that bad. The place where you said revelation stopped flowing because I got in my own head and I did it my own way. He goes silent for 13 years, but here is the beauty of God's silence. When he comes back, the first thing he does to Abram is this. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. Sarah will no longer be Sarai, but Sarah. God's first announcement to Abraham when he shows back up on the scene is I don't want you to remember who you were before I came this time I don't want you to live in the misery of your mistake who am I talking to I don't want you to keep beating yourself over the head over what happened in a season that I got over a long time ago I want you to think that I'm still holding over your head the fact that you did it your own way. I want you to know that I'm God enough that I can bless your mistake too. Maybe it's just a few people in the room that need to hear this but I need you to know your God is big enough and your God is bad enough and your God is wise enough that he can bless your mistake too. God knew your mistake before you made your mistake. He had a plan for your mistake before the mistake was ever made. He wasn't blind when it happened And he's the God that can put his hand on your mess up too So what he does for Abram is change his name He doesn't want Abram forever associated with the place of his fall He doesn't want Sarah only identifying with what she gave up and lost in the middle of it And then he tells Abram I'm still going to bless you with a (laughs) son. Now, this word is only going to matter for a few of y'all. But I'm glad to serve the God that when I messed up, He says, I'm still going to do what I said. (laughs) My word ain't going to return to me void. And I told you I was going to give you a son, and just because you fooled around and did it your way do not mean I'm canceling or reversing what I said. Is there anybody else in this room that's grateful that God is good enough to not look at your foolishness and say, I'm cutting you off, but he's bad enough and God enough to say, I'll use your foolishness still for your good. And He prophesied to Abram, I'm going to make you an exceeding great nation. I'm going to touch your wife. You're going to, her name will no longer be princess, but it's going to be mother. I'm changing the way you call her. She's not going to be a princess anymore. She's about to be a mother of nations. Abram laughed before Sarah did. When God said this to Abram, Abram laughed and said, how can you do this now? When I'm a hundred years old, Genesis 17, I'm almost a hundred. How are you now going to do with this old body what you said over 30 years ago was going to come to pass? And he says, don't worry about it. Sarah's still going to have this child. (laughs) Now, this is for those that have said it is impossible for God to make come to pass what I heard a long time ago. I don't want you to think that God is bound to your time limits I'm gonna hurt somebody with this but it's a hurt to help you God ain't ever cared about your schedule God has never been concerned about your timeline God has not been in heaven saying how can I fit what I want into what they schedule supposed to happen God will bypass your scheduling he will overlook your timing and he'll still make it come to pass when he's ready, but to prove to you I didn't need your schedule to be God. If God was bound to your schedule, your schedule would be God. The way God shows his authority over it is bypassing time that you thought you missed, still giving it to you when he wanted to, and allowing you to catch up with everything you thought you lost. May this be a catch-up season for about 25 of y'all in the room. You thought you missed God, you thought your time had passed, you thought you waited too long, you thought it was impossible, and God's about to prove to you, I am the God of the impossibilities, I am the God that that can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with who I want to do it, how I choose to do it, where I desire to do it, I'm not bound to your time. How Father neighbor real quick tell them you didn't miss God. You did woo. Find somebody that looked like they thought they missed him on the other side. How about you did not miss God? If God said it, he shall do it. If God promised it, he shall perform it. And I declare in love, Alive Church, there shall be a performance of everything that God said. May this be a season where the miraculous all of a sudden opens up. May this be a moment where prophetic words that your mothers and your grandmothers and your grandfathers declared over you. All of a sudden the heavens open up to release what God said. So every other time, whoo, I'm done. Every other time God spoke to Abram, Abraham. Abraham was afar off. But in Genesis 18, the spirit of the Lord comes to Abraham's house. And it came in angelic representation. And Abram said, "Let me just make you a meal before you go." And when the ninth verse opens, The Lord said, where is Sarah? Abraham, I know I've been dealing with you, but Sarah's really the one I've been looking for. Abraham, I know I've told you everything, but I don't know how well it's translated to the woman that's living with you. And he said, she's over there in the tent. And he said, I just want to remind you that I ain't forgot what I told you I said I was going to do. And by this time, next year, there's going to be a performance of everything I promise. Abraham had, already la- Abraham had already laughed at God when he heard it. But Sarah is getting this revelation for the first time and inside the tent, an old woman, everything on her body now sagging, looking as if it is unable to produce any type of promise. In her, feeling as if all of her reproductive organs have shrunk down to nothing. It ain't been blocked for decades. And in the midst of looking at all the agony she had faced and all of these decades of fruitlessness, she throws her head back and in her head laughs and said, How can I now do what God said I was going to do? It never came out of her mouth, it was only in her head. And I want you to know today, God is about to show Himself as Lord over your thoughts. He, he's about to change the way you think about it before it ever hits your life. He's about to allow you to see it the that he sees it. He's not going to let your thoughts betray his promise another day. Put your hands on your head real quick. Father, I thank you that even today you're downloading your mind into our head. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. But give us the ability to perceive what you're doing in the earth through us and to see it your way. Don't let our narrow-mindedness make us miss what you said ever again in Jesus. The same. Tell Sarah Tells Abraham I heard Sarah laugh And in the midst of her laughter This is what I want her to know Is there anything That's too hard for me He says Is there anything That's too difficult Or too wonderful for me to do he said, you can go to either end of the spectrum and neither one of them supersede my ability. I am the God of difficulty and I'm the God of wonder. There's nothing that I said would be that has the ability to trump who I am. He says, is anything too hard for me? And he tells Abraham, now run back in the tent until I said this. By this time next year, What I said is going to produce. Then you open Genesis 21. And here's here's where I am. And it says, the Lord remembered Sarah. What I want you to know is you have not fallen off of God's mind. I don't want you to think that you have sunk so low that God has forgot what he said to you. I don't want you to think that you've hit such a rut and you've been so complacent and so stagnant that you have fallen off of God's radar. I don't want you to think that your error and your mistakes have messed up the timing of God. God has a way of remembering you when you don't consider yourself worthy to be remembered. Here is the beauty of this text. God told Abram, Abraham, by this time next year, you're gonna hear your son cry. And when the full circle of a year came, Sarah produced what God said would happen. It took a full year for her to give birth, but it only took a small window for her to actually get pregnant. It took a whole year for it to be pushed out. But within three months, she knew that God was a promise keeper. You may not see the full manifestation for another year. But I declare before this year ends, you're going to get your divine sign that the Lord is with me. Hear me, by December the 31st, 2019, you're going to get your divine signal that the Lord is with me and he's not going to drop me right here. And what God's about to do is make what you thought. What's your most painful season of existence? He's about to make you laugh about your sorrow. What made you feel condemned and cry, He's about to allow you to chuckle over. God is about to show you that no matter where they put you or you put yourself, I'm God enough to make you laugh. God, enough to remind you that there is nothing that's too hard for me. I declare over Baton Rouge, Louisiana, by this time next year, laughter is going to break out like wildfire. <laughs> you're gonna remember God's promise and you're gonna watch it be divinely activated in a way that supersedes your wildest imaginations. I declare over you, even for those of you that feel like you've got too old to bring it to reality, God is gonna show you that when I said it to you in your 20s, I knew you wouldn't be able to manage it in your 30s, but I'm still gonna bring that thing to pass. I am a God that will fulfill every promise I've ever made for you concerning your life. I am a good father. I will not give to my children stones when they ask for prayer. I'm a good father. I'm not going to lie to those that I love. He's good enough to bring it to pass in your due season. And if you believe that you're on the brink of a due season in your life, If you would, in worship, open up your mouth and praise your God. He's about to make you laugh. He's about to make you laugh. I want you to hear me when I say this. Everything you survived is about to make sense. Everything you lived through Everything that you thought should have been the thing that made you go crazy Everybody that abandoned and walked away and did not want to be in fellowship with who you were becoming God is about to make it all make sense It was not a mistake. It was the handiwork of God God did not make a mistake he knew what he was doing the whole time. And I declare, he's gonna make you laugh about it. And you're going to see the manifestation of everything he's promised you. If you would grab a neighbor's hand real quick, I gotta get y'all out of here. Father, I thank you that in your infinite wisdom and ability, you have the ability. To make us laugh over what was some of our deepest pain. You've never taken us through anything you could not use. You've never brought us to a challenge that you wouldn't help us to overcome. So today, we give you glory and honor as the God that's going to make us laugh. I pray that in this laughter, the joy of the Lord is restored. The hope for his promises is renewed and that we're able to see you in a light that we've never seen you before today we declare you are the promise keeper and we squeeze the hand of our neighbor as a sign of affirmation that you're holding the hand of somebody that believes with you you're holding the hand of somebody that is standing in faith for and with your promises You're holding the hand of a man and a woman that believes God's going to do exactly what he said it would do. And today I stand in faith not just for my promise but I stand as an intercessor for what God's going to do in your life. And I declare you will not die until you see the totality of what God promised. I declare in this room your life will not be cut short before you see the reality of everything that he said. I bind the spirit of God death and the spirit of suicide and anything that would happen or attempt to transpire to keep you out of the real and the promises of god and i declare an unfolding of heavenly mysteries to bring you into alignment with everything that god said may this be your season of yes and amen may god begin to sing over you yes and amen may you begin to see the promises of God as yes and amen Father we believe but help our unbelief Waking us up To remind us of what you said What you promised And what you're going to fulfill And bring into reality over our lives And we love you And thank you for it in Jesus' name If you believe wild laughter is coming to your life Give God the greatest hand clap of praise you can find